Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of Rabbi Adam Klickfeld's weekly Rashi study class. Chapter 3, verse 14, uh, my, uh, one of my favorite Rashis ever. Um, and it's one of my uh, favorite Rashis for a variety of reasons. One, I love the message that we're about. I love the little sermon that we're about to confront. Uh, I won't give too much away. Um, and also before, um, well, not before, but, but, but one of the other places in my life where I have kind of systemically taught a Rashi as opposed to this weekly class and you know, quoting Rashi in Divrei Torah is for many years when I was in Monroe, in upstate New York, I taught the sixth grade religious school class. And for many years, the curriculum of the sixth grade um, religious school class was a region-wide Bible, like a, a Bible bowl, where religious schools across the Metni region of the United Synagogue were all studying the same curriculum, and they came together in May for a competition to see who would study the material best. And it was almost exclusively studying, you know, key verses in Breshit and Shmot and a little bit in Varim with Rashi's commentary. Um, and it was great to introduce the students to kind of the stuff that we're doing here. And this was one of the verses and Rashi's that I taught every year. So for, I don't know, six, seven years, I taught different groups of sixth graders this Rashi. And, you know, I, I fell in love with it even more. Um, so uh, the best thing to do, of course, is to oversell something. You got to see this movie. It's the best movie ever. Well, there's no way to live up to that. So you might not consider this one of the great Rashi's ever, but I do. So um, let's take a look. Let's see who hasn't read while. Uh, Andrew, do you want to read uh, verse 14 of this week? By Yomer Moshe El Halohim, God said to, God said, Moshe said to the God, Behold, I'm going to come to the children of Israel, and I will say to them, the God of your fathers, um, sent me to you. And we lingered on that. It's, it's said dispositively. And they will say to me, what is his name? Meaning it's not if they say, but they will, a prediction. They'll say to me, what is his name? Ma Omar Alehem, what should I say? So the setup here is God's response to the name of God that God wants Moshe to tell them is the God that is bringing them out of Egypt. Okay? So that's that's the, the shot setup, and, and then we'll we'll see the place that Rashi goes. Andrew Bubakasha. All right. So uh, this is Eheya Asher Eheya. Um, yeah, absolutely. Correct. You know, okay. you know exactly where we're going. Eheya Imam Bitsarazo. Wait, wait. First, first the verse. Oh, sorry. Vayomer Elohim El Moshe. Eheya Asher Eheya. And God said to Moses, uh, I, I will be uh, where I will be, or I shall be what I shall be. Vayomer ko tomar l'bnei Yisrael shalachani aleichem. And uh, Hashem said, uh, you will say to b'nei Yisrael, God uh, was sent, sent me to you. Good. So it, it's a verse with, in some ways, rather simple construction of phrases, but almost impossible to render into English because we don't know what to do with as a name. And, and then we have yeah, later on. Um, and of course, you, you, you can take the boy out of the yeshiva, but not the yeshiva out of the boy. So it's, eh, yeah, share, eh, yeah. 
if you're coming from the issue. So let, let's linger for a bit. At some point before we go to the Rashi, I'm going to want to see other translations, but to remind you know, us all that, you know, the, whoever translated these translations, they didn't, they weren't working from a translation, they were working from the words. L let's play around. W what is this verse saying? W what is God's answer to Moshe's question about the name of the God who's going to be the Redeemer and why? And also, are there other questions that people have on this? So let's play with that a little bit. Andrew or anyone, raise your, your hand or your digital hand. Renee? I'm just curious, in Everett Fox, he capitalizes Right, so hold on to Everett Fox for a second. We're going to look at the other translations in a second. Let, let's play with it ourselves first. So in mine, it's, I shall be what I shall be. God answered Moses, I shall be what I shall be. Right, so how, in what way is that an answer to Moshe's question, Renee or anyone else? Not. Moshe says, what's, what's the name? And the name is, I shall be what I shall be. He's not giving a name. He's just giving a, not even a description. Right. You, you can imagine Moshe, Moshe's response back being, what? Right? Like, or, you know, you're, I don't know why this comes to mind. Like you're, you're, you're asking your child, you know, who, who you, you may have suspected that they, they, that they had done something wrong last night. Like, where, where were you last night at 10 p.m.? I was where I was. Well, that doesn't answer anything, right? So is this evasive or is there something deep here? Okay. Barry, Joanna, and then Leonard, Rebecca, and then Larry. Well, I just think the interesting this is the first time in the translation that, that I'm using this, this, um, oh, I, sorry, I'm on, on, on video. Uh, I'm reading from this one here. Yeah. Uh, they don't, they don't translate it. They, they, they just repeat the words in, with English uh, uh, words. Yeah. Uh, uh, we'll see that that's actually rather common and, and I'm not sure if the motivation of that in the non-translation is a, they don't know how to translate it or they, they don't want to, and they want it to re remain kind of mysterious and majestic, or in the same way, we don't really translate Adonai, right? Like we, we, when we, when we're using God's name in a sentence, we're not saying we're not translating in, in our brains as my Lord, which is what Adonai means. It just keeping it as a name, but mm -hmm. as, students of the text, we're trying to figure out, but what does it mean, right? Joanna? So two things. I don't know if the Eitz Chaim Kumash does this, but I'm using the JPS Tanakh. And um, so it has it transliterated in the English with a little footnote and then several possibilities on the bottom of the page. So that speaks to, we don't really know 100% what this means. The other thing also, when we read this just now, all of a sudden this name popped out to me in light of that long Rashi that we went through. And specifically the part of that Rashi that spoke to the fact that we have not yet seen the sign. You have to have faith that that sign is yet to come. So all of a sudden for God to refer to himself in what appears to be a future tense kind of way, a here is sort of emphasizing that need to, to have the belief and the faith that I will be. This is to come and you've got to believe, A, you Moses have to believe and you have to convince the people. That's really interesting, Joanna. So link, linking the shot of this verse to the second of Rashi's comment from the previous verse, the reason why that's specifically interesting is that, and I never thought about this, that Rashi's commentary in this verse, which we'll get to, almost pushes in the other direction, or if not 180 degrees of the direction, certainly 90 degrees. Um, 
And yes, the, the, the raw grammar of a yeah, a share, a yeah, as Andrew translated, is not that hard to render, except we don't know what it, what the meaning is. Eh, yeah, I will be, right? Eh, yeah, by the way, is playing with um, the, the concept of being that yud, hey, vud, hey, vav, hey, seems to mean, although we don't know, right? Yud, hey, vav, hey, the name that we never articulate, the tetragrammaton, what became Jehovah, if you're a witness, right? Um, seems to be built on the present tense of the verb to be, which is very rarely used. Like in modern Hebrew, you say hayiti, I was, you say, hey, yeah, it will be. You never say ani hove, I am, it doesn't operate in modern Hebrew, although it operates in Adon Olam. So hove is the present tense of to be, very similar to Jehovah, right? Um, and so the, the notion of God's name having beingness built into it is present everywhere you see Yudhevave. But it still doesn't explain um, um, why this is the proper name here, nor how we should deal with the asher. Asher is one of those pluripotent words. That, when, as, I will be, when I will be, I will be where I will be, I will be that I will be, I just, I will, right? That's number one, right? And number two, what do we do with the last three words, right? Even given Rashi's previous commentary. So let's say my name is, it's a long name, fine. I will be where, where I will be, or I will be, that I will be is my name. And then God comes back and says, and therefore thus should you say to the children of Israel, I will be sent you to, uh, sent me to you. So is it a nickname? Is it a shortening? So many questions, but thank you for that connection to the previous Rashi. Uh, I think the next one was, I don't remember, whoever I called on next, Leonard Rebecca, go ahead. Hi, I was going to say that uh, um, by putting it in the future tense, God may also be, uh, you know, emphasizing that it's going to be an unknown reaction, whatever God will be or God will do in response to what the children of Israel do. So, uh, and perhaps in the first, he's, he's saying, he's explaining it, eh, yeah, share, eh, yeah, I, I will be what I will be in reaction to what the children of Israel do. And you can just call me, I will be. So the name itself is eh, yeah, in the second part. Right. You know, a, a nickname, right? So but my, my, my name is, you know, Al, Al, Alexa, Alexander David Shmuel, call me Alex. And, and you're saying that the future tenseness of it is related to the fact that God's reality is somewhat dependent on the Israelites relationship and reaction to that God. Right. So right. I, I it's, it. it's unknown. It's unknown. That's why it's in the future as an unknown and unexplained because it, we, he, God doesn't know what it'll be yet. Fascinating. Great. Thank you. Diane, Larry. Sorry. Um, just trying to answer your question. I think that um, there's a sense often that to know someone's name is to have power over them. And in this sense, what the divine is saying to Moses, neither you nor they can have power over me because I will be whatever I will be. I will be called whatever I will be called or I choose to be called. So there's a sense of trying to cut any ability to have power over God, either by Moses or by the people. They have to simply, he has to, and they have to simply accept. 
So this, this way of reading it is that the name is a non-name, right? You can't contain me, right? I can't be, I can't be boxed into a name. Remember that when we get to Rashi on the next verse, which may or may not happen today. So it, it, it's intentionally an inscrutable name, which is my way, God's way of saying to you, don't ask me my name. I'm not a name. I'm something uh, much larger than that that can't be held. And, and the way you're reading it is actually quite similar to um, God's response to Moshe of lo yirani hadam v'chai. You can't see my face, Moshe, because I'm, be, I'm beyond, I'm beyond um, that kind of access. And so this is the way God introduces God's self to the Israelites through Moshe. And we, and we, as Jews, are constantly in tension with this whole idea because the name is so important to us. In fact, the name of God is the name, Hashem. And we have the prohibitions against uttering the name and when you can say the name and when you can say the name for the name and three degrees removed from the name. And yet we, I think, understand that God's essence is not in his name. Right. In, in halacha, we talk about a klirishon, klisheni, and a klishlishi when it comes to sources of heat on Shabbat, right? So a klirishon is 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 water that's in that is is, is the actual source of the heat. Klisheni is water that's been moved from the hot water heater or the boiling water to another vessel, and klishlishi is the third. The reason why it's relevant relevant is that at least in my house, when you're cooking tea, um, you don't take Tea, the water directly from the urn, which is the Kli shown, nor do you put it directly into a mug, which is Klisheni. I use an intermediary. This is going to be relevant in a second, where I take water from the urn, put it in a measuring cup, and then pour it from there into a mug, and then I put the tea bag in. Why? Because Halakha says that tea is Kalei Bishul, very easily cooked, and therefore, and it's raw before you cook it, and if you put boiling water directly on it, you are cooking on Shabbat. But Halakha says conveniently that once the liquid's in a Kli Shlishi, it's in the third vessel, even if you know that I know that you know that I know that it's cooking, because if it wouldn't, wasn't, wasn't cooking, it wouldn't be tea, it's permissible because you've removed it two spaces from the original heat. So you're talking about a Kli Shlishi discomfort with the actual name of God, right? That we, we toy with it by referring to the name of God as the name. It's the name we don't know and we don't even... And, and, and we, won't even, we won't say that name, nor are we, you know, you don't say the name of God, Levatala, in vain. We don't want to say God's name, even the name that's not the name, when we're not intending to say the name, and concerns about that several steps removed. Um, so that's really lovely. There was another thought that came to mind. Oh, so this is a, a very significant theological distinction point between us and early and then ongoing Christianity, right? So, so Christianity, this is a like a gross oversimplification, but it's based on some stuff that's real, was a, was a reaction to a God that can't be known and can't be seen and can't be identified with, right? A God whose name is an inscrutable who, who has all these crazy demands of you and you don't even know what that God is, you can't see it, right? Whereas the Jesus figure is known, you know the face, the, 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 the image is everywhere and you know the name and you can't, and not only do you not not say it, you must say it, right? You, you, you invoke that name all the time. So the early, first century Judea is dealing with the, um, the convulsions of being dutiful to a divine whose name has never been, right? And whose, and whose, whose image we can't even deign to pretend. Um, 
Barbara, and then Joanna. Oh, Okay, yes. right. I, I also want to say something. Please. So, so two things, actually. First one is even more so God's answer is, is actually not an answer to the question, who are you or what are you? God's answer is in the form of a verb. So it, it removes God from the anthropomorphic God figure by, mm-hmm. by virtue of it being a verb. And, mm-hmm. and a pop culture reference, I can't help but think of Popeye. I am what I am, and that's all that I am. And then he identifies himself by name, but not until then. That's great. And if you read every fourth letter in this verse, it spells out tered, which means spinach in Hebrew. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> great. So, um, so, right. So that's lovely, Diane. So I, I'm not a thing that's a name. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a being. I, 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 and I'm not a being in the noun sense of the word being. I am the gerund. I am being, right? I, I, I do not, I do not get, like, I, I do not get um, assimilated into your mind as a thing with a name. That's great. Um, Barbara and then Joanna again. Um, I, I think that what it's implying is that God is, or what God is saying is that he, she will be around forever and will change as he as he she is needed so that as 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 the as we the people change he she is going to change and be there for us for whatever we need at that time great great if you read the the line that way on some level it's what every bride and groom should say under the chuppah right? I'm going to continue to be and grow and change and somewhat in relationship to you and somewhat independent of you. And that's what you're committing to. You're committing to not knowing today who I'm going to be in five years, because I don't know who I'm going to be in five years. So by reading it this way, God is saying, A, I'm evolving. B, I'm evolving somewhat in relationship to you. And and therefore, I can't tell you in my name everything that's about me, because it's going to be um, different. In a, in, a, be different. in a relentlessly changing process. Yeah. Great, Barbara. Love that. Joanna? I think another way of describing some of what's happening in this conversation now is that, you know, we want so much to know God, but if we actually knew God in all of these ways, then God wouldn't be God. So there's this kind of tension there. The other thing that popped into my head as... Um, um, this conversation went on was a bit of middle school math, the transitive property of equality, which is, uh, for those of you who don't remember your middle school math, if um, A equals B and B equals C, then C equals A. And what we so much want in this pasuk is we've got that first day and the last day and the whole middle section is missing. And oh, if we only had that middle section, this pasuk would make a whole lot more sense to us. Which, which middle section is missing? I'm missing that part. So, so if A, we don't have that A equals B and then B equals C and then back to A again, C equals A. We've just got the two A's at either end, but not the whole middle. Got it. Right. And now I'm forced to think of Chevy Chase as Gerald Ford in Saturday Night Live uh, for saying I was I remember distinctly remember being told there'd be no math during so and here we got math in this rut great um all of this is wonderful setup for how like specifically and midrashically Rashi is going to read this right R- Rashi is not 
really going to kind of go into lofty highfalutin theological musings about God and God's name and being, but is going to read the words very, very specifically. Um, and, and, and I love the sermon that he gives from it, as I said in the beginning of the class. Barry, and then we'll read some um, um, translations, and then we'll go back to Andrew for the Rashi. Yeah, I, I thought I'd had my hand up before when it went down, so it's up again. Um, it's, it's, I, so much of what I've been hearing uh, is uh, it, within what I'm going to say. Uh, this has been a marvelous conversation we're having. Um, in Zohar, uh, a, a whole lot of time, pages are spent on the Beit in Bereshit, that pre, pre-existent, be, 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 before the Bereshit, uh, it is this yud heh and uh, the, the once once the bet of Bereshit begins and Elohim does all these things, uh, we have existence and and things are in, we become separate. Um, uh, yud heh vav heh preexists that, and so it, it, it's. It, it, it cannot, we, we, as we said, cannot be defined. It's it's pre it's pre definition, and uh, everything will be once Bereshit begins. Everything will become uh, yod heh pre exists that. Yes, and interesting that it's heard. God does not answer the question by saying, "What is the name of God who will bring you out of Egypt?" Yod heh God doesn't say that. And God doesn't say, Adonai Elohebotechem, the God of your ancestors. It's this, it's this other, and it's the only place where God uses this name. Um, so the, uh, the, the fact that God doesn't go to the uh, patriarchs and God's linkage to them is an interesting thing to linger on. And the fact that God doesn't go to God's most two common names, Adonai or Elohim, who, which certainly would have been in the consciousness of the Israelites if anything had been transmitted to them while, they're, while they were in Egypt in terms of what theology they inherited. Instead, we get this puzzle, this puzzle that is fr- coming from the mouth of yud but not actually yud Okay, let's do this. Let's read a couple of just straight English translations of the verse, um, and then we'll look at the um, at Rashi. So, Larry, you have... Um, I got, I got, I got altar. I got Kaplan, and I got the art scroll. All right, let's start with. Let's do art scroll last. After all of them, because I'm assuming that art scroll is going to be impacted by Rashi. So read altar, please. The, the translation of the verse. Altar is um, a combination, and God said to Moses, "Comma, quote, ayah asher ayah, with hyphens between the words, comma." And now there's hyphens between every every word. I will be who I will be. So okay. he puts both. Here becomes who, okay. All right, so I know that's what you're looking for is the who, but I thought it was interesting that he also puts the hyphens and he puts both. Okay. Um, and, then, and by the way, he has his longest comment. How does he translate the second half of the verse? Ah, okay. Uh, so, yeah, he actually puts a period as opposed to a semicolon. He says, and he said, quote, thus shall you say to the Israelites, Ayah has sent me to you. Hmm. So here, Alter is extremely similar to Everett Fox, 
God said to Moshe, colon, also in different font, yeah, I share a yeah. So a different font, but transliterated to English letters, slash, I will hyphenated be there. So he puts, it's so interesting. He puts, he hyphenates be and there, even though in the Hebrew, the B is the yeah, and the there is the share, and there's no hyphen there, but I will be there, howsoever I will be there. I guess he's doing the be there as yeah, and the howsoever as a share. I don't think I've ever used the word howsoever in a sentence. And then he also puts a period there. And he said, colon, thus shall you say to the children of Israel, another colon, yeah, slash I will be there, sends me to you. So yeah, I guess... He's throwing in a there in the ehyeh, um, which is not specifically indicated, but it's interesting. You said Alter had a comment on that one, Larry? Well, I'm not going to read it's, it's his longest, as far as I can tell, the longest comment that he's made, um, at least in any, anything that I've been reading. It's, it's very, very long. But let me just tell you, Kaplan, because it's very similar, but obviously different. Um, he, he says, quote, Without any hyphens, I will be who I will be, end quote, replied God to Moses, period. So he has the same words, no hyphens, and he doesn't do the transliteration. But then he says, in brackets, God then explained. So it's like a big, both of them want to make a big break at the Nachta here for, for whatever reason. There's a break, but bigger than normal. This is what you must say to the Israelites, quote, I will be sent me to you. Yeah. So that reading the etnachta, that wishbone trup under the ehyeh of asher ehyeh as a period as opposed to a comma, um, is, is, a, is very common here and is one of the engines behind the Rashi comment we're about to read, that there's a lot that happens in between that etnachta and the next word, similar to the ellipsis in the Cain and Abel story, Vayomer, um, they were in the field, Vayomer, Cain, al and Cain said to his brother, uh, Abel, dot, 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 and then he got up and he killed him. But we, we don't know what was said. So the Midrash inserts a whole series of possibilities as to what was said to explain why the murder happens. It, there's no ellipsis here, but there's, an, there's going to be a lot of inserted content. Um, Hold, off, the, hold off. Hold off on the art scroll. Does anybody have a JPS in front of them from the um, from the Eitz Chaim Chumash, or another translation that's worth reading? Joanna. So, as I mentioned, I have the JPS Tanakh. So, I'm assuming that's the same as. Um, probably is. Read it one more time for us, Joanna. Um. Okay. So. The Pasuk itself says, and God said to Moses, Eyeh Asher Eyeh, written exactly as Larry described, all hyphenated. Um, he continued, Thus shall you say to the Israelites, Eyeh sent me to you. Then there's a bunch of footnotes on the bottom of the page. Meaning of Hebrew uncertain, variously translated, I am that I am, I am who I am, I will be what I will be, etc. And then um, for the second of occurrence of, of Eyeh, others i am or i will be so in the in the translation itself it's utterly untranslated it's correct and it, it, um how did cecil b the mill render it i am that i am right isn't that what god says in that scene turns it into a that 
And therefore, uh, that must be the actual true one. <laughs> yes, well, we, have, we always poskin by Cecil B. DeMille. Uh, Renee? Capristein says, uh, God answered Moses, I shall be what I shall be. And he said, comma, so shall you say to the children of Israel, I shall be has sent me to you, has sent me. I shall be has sent me to you. Great. Any other translations that are even a little bit different? Okay, so, oh, Barry? Yeah, I, I'm just, it, it, it's the being. It, it's the existential. It, it's the being is the now. The, 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 the being, B-E-I-N-G. The, the being is the noun. Great. Um, it's, hard to, it's, hard to, it's hard to grasp that, but it, it's, it's the being that's the noun of this verse. Yes. Um, Larry, do you want to read now our scroll? We'll see how close he anticipates Rashi, and then Andrew, you're up again. All right. Um, Hashem answered Moses, quote, I shall be as I shall be, end quote, period. And he said, so, so shall you say to the children of Israel, I shall be has sent me to you. So interestingly, in the translation, I'm sure they have commentary on it, that the translation is pretty fair to the weirdness and, and inscrutability of the verse. And I give article credit for not um, inserting into the translation Rashi's take, even though Rashi's take is lovely. Um, Rick, last thought, and then I really want to get to the Rashi. And, I, and don't forget to look at the Uncleus, right? Should we look at the Uncleus? Um, I think I look at the Uncleus. V'amar Adonai Lemoshe Ehyeh Asher. He keeps it in Hebrew, interestingly. Right. It's fascinating. He keeps it Ehyeh Asher in Hebrew. V'amar Kedanan Temar Lebnei Yisrael. Yeah. So he, so Uncleus translates all the other words in the in the verse, except for Yisrael, into Aramaic, except, so even Uncleus doesn't translate this. Uncleus keeps it as Aramaic translation, a yes, yeah, yeah. It's fascinating. Uh, Rick? Um, hi. So um, with all this emphasis on what, you know, God is saying, tell the people this, I, I looked ahead to see what he actually tells them, I'm sorry to say, and none of it is there. I just had to say it. None of it is there in the description. It's it's really it's it's amazing. Um, so it's chapter four, um, twenty nine. Moses and Aaron. It's a whole thing. Aaron comes out to see him, but um, Aaron speaks all the words, and um, none of this is there. It's it's just uh, it's just strange. So I, I just wanted to share that. It, 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 Moses doesn't say, eh, yeah, it's not there. Yeah. So. It's a great looking ahead because in the previous verse, Moshe seemed insistent that they will indeed ask me your name. And I need to have an answer. We get this profound and profoundly hard to understand answer, but it, Moshe doesn't even act, use it, doesn't activate, right? Maybe, maybe Moshe's response is, um, I can't use that as your name because they'll not, they'll not understand it. But it, right, this 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 exists as a as a theorized answer to a question, but never gets put into action. Okay, Andrew, on Ehiyeh um, uh, What I want you to do is to um, read through, like 
re, re, there, there are several dibure hamachil, right? There are several um, quotes from the verse, but I want you to read it through as if it's one long comment by Rashi. Not that long, but one comment. All right. Ehaya asher ehaya. Ehaya imam bitsarazo. Be with... The be with them through this particular trouble, Asher Eheye Imam Bishibud Shar Malchuyos. So you will be with them through this trouble, like you will be with them through hardships under other uh, kingdoms. Good. Pause one second. And in terms of the the structure of the verb, it's since it's God talking in God's voice. I will be with them through this trouble, Eheye. As a share, just as I will be with them through, as you exactly said, the hardships and enslavements of other kings. Okay. Amar Lefanov, Ribono Shalom. So uh, I, as this is now Moshe speaking to God. Ma ani maskir lahem tsara acheret. Why would I remind Bnei Israel of another trouble? Good. And let me just interject again. When in the imagination of this Midrash that Rashi is quoting is Moshe speaking to God after the Etnachta in the verse, right? That Etnachta that a lot of our translators put a period in, God gives an initial answer. What's my name, Moshe? My name is Ayah Asher Ayah, into which the Midrash inserts a retort by Moshe. And Moshe says, Master of the universe, why, why should I mention now future Tsuris? Go ahead. Dayam Bitsarazo, isn't this trouble enough? Amarlo Yafe Amarta Ko Tamar And God said to him, It's good that you say to them, Ko Tamar, uh, that what you shall say. I guess maybe he's referring to the rest of the Pasuk. Right. So the, the structure of this very terse response is God says back to Moshe, Yafe Amarta, like, Oh, you're right. I hadn't thought of that. And therefore, this is now Rashi's editorial voice saying, therefore, we have the rest of the verse. Interestingly, what is, what is in, the, in the Dibur HaMachil of the part of the verse that he's quoting is not the key part. It's what really should have been, therefore, Eheyeh Shlachani Elechem. Right? There, there, so you, you, you're right, Moshe. I should not say Eheyeh Asher Eheyeh. I should just say Eheyeh. Because what does, if I just say Eheyeh, according to this Midrash, what am I saying? This particular trouble. Yeah. So you want to know, Moshe, what name to tell them about me? Tell them my name is, I'm the one who's here with you now. I'm the one who's going to lead you out of Egypt. That's all you need to know. Eheyeh. I, 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 I am the one who is being, to go back to, um, Barry, with you now, you're in service, you're in terrible travail, I'm your savior. And that's it, right? No future. So if it was since Eheyeh, Asher Eheyeh, according to the Midrash, is I will be with you now and I'll be with you then, then just one Eheyeh is I will be with you now. So what's fascinating about this um, Midrash, which is in Masech uh, Brachot in, in the Talmud, amongst other places, is first of all, it's another occasion in the Midrash, not in the Pshat, where Moshe holds up a mirror to God and, and, and makes God reconsider, you know, benot slovchad and destroying the, you know, the Israelites after the golden calf. And God changes God's mind instantly, right? I love that image, right? 
Moshe makes a good contention and God says, you know what, you're right. Gosh, how, how infrequent does that happen in our world, right? right? But what, there was a Facebook meme um, a couple of years ago, even before things got more heated, it said, um, uh, after having seen your post, I have changed my mind completely about that topic, comma, said no one anywhere at any point on Facebook, right? Um, and and how, how rare it is that we really are, are, are adamant about something. God seems pretty adamant, a yes, yeah, yeah. Someone else says, you know what? You may want to reconsider that. And then the person says, you know what? You're right. I'm going to totally change my, my mind, my answer. So on the one hand, this Midrash is operating on the idea of a malleable God. And the malleability is, is related, right? The malleability that God shows in the Midrash is related to the names that are being played. Right? At least some of you, I forgot who, who already said that, yeah, asher, yeah, might suggest that I'm, I'm constantly changing. I'm constantly changing in relationship to you based on how you interact with me. And in the Midrash, God is doing just that. God is different at the, at the second part of the sentence than God was in the beginning part of the sentence because God changed God's mind. That's part one of the, of, the, of the comment that interests me. Part two, on less of a theological and more of a psycho-emotional level, is this notion of what it means to be totally overwhelmed with present day stressors and how even more overwhelming it is to imagine in your mind the ones that are to come, right? If, if we really kept our minds open to all the crises that are about to come, we're pretty certain they will. We don't know what they are, but they, we know they're gonna come. We, we would be paralyzed, right? The present day service is enough and, and this is, in some ways, never more of a resonant idea than right now, right? We're in, we're in a tsara right now, which is big enough. Will will we have tsaras in the year 2023 and 2025? I'm certain. Not even thinking about it. Not even going there. Because right now is sufficient. So even though God's promise in Ayeh, Asher Ayeh, is presence with the Israelites, saving presence with the Israelites in those future troubles, Moshe says, even though you're promising to be with them then, you're also therefore telling them that there's going to be future Shia Budim, future enslavement. Don't go there. Don't go there. Just stay present. So I find this particular Midrash, the way Rashi um, writes it up, to be very, very compelling. Okay, thoughts, comments, reactions to the, to the Rashi now that we have shot on it. Elon. Yeah, the, the part that most intrigues me is something that you covered, which is the Afa Amarta, right? Um, it, it's interesting that um, I can't recall other point, other points where God gives out a, an attaboy, right? And why at this particular point did Rashi feel that it was important to note that God gave an attaboy? Yeah, Fab Martha is exactly an attaboy. It, it's, it's great. It, it's an attaboy. It's, in some ways, it's a little stronger than an attaboy because attaboy is encouragement. And the Fab Martha is encouragement, but representing that God is accepting the critique, right? Ex- accepting the redirecting. Um, listen, I, I, you know, why this Midrash is here, I don't know. And, and why Rashi chooses this Midrash, I don't know. I do know that. That rendering this verse into a simple meaning has challenged translators throughout history. And, and, and I am fascinated by the fact that either 
either influenced by Rashi or influenced by the same thing that Rashi is influenced by in the verse, that as we saw, translators put a period after and suggest that the second half of the sentence is something new, and that invites the possibility that something happened in between. And I love that in the in-between, God said, what was I, what was I thinking? What was I thinking? You're right, Mo. Tova. Uh, I think it's also fascinating that it in a way is presaging our relationship with God, because we, what is, this is the sort of the first time God presents himself with an identity, if you will, and the response is a pushback. And we see that theme over and over again, certainly with Avraham, that it isn't just taking it in, but there's a pushback. There's this ongoing modifying relationship, which God has indicated in the name itself. So we, we went on as we began. Great. Thank you for that, Tova. Anyone else want to respond to the content of this, of this Midrash and, and how, uh, or, or the structure of it, that Ehiyah, Sheriyah is too long of a name because it, it's about too many things. So the name becomes Ehiyah. And as Rick said, even Ehiyah is not used when Mo- Moshe successfully corrects God and then doesn't use the name. Joel? I, I, it's, the, it's, it's not the Ednachta that he's commenting on. It's the word Vayomer. I mean, Ednachta comes every verse. But it's very rare for a Vayomer to interrupt somebody speaking. So that's where I think he's getting, the, or that's where the Midrash comes from originally. Right. Two, two Vayomers in a row with the, same, with the same subject. There had to have been something in between. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Yeah. Good. Right. Very good. But at least from this verse, uh, now we know that God's middle name is Asher. <laughs> and, and as the same first name as, his, as God's last name. Right. You know, that, it, as if my name were, you know, Kligfeld, Mark Kligfeld. Um, I, don't know, I don't know why this reminds me of it because it's, it's so silly. Um, one of my dearest friends in the world, maybe, and sometimes he listens to the class, maybe he's listening. Um, his, he, his Hebrew name is Zev Zachariah. So all, all, of, all of a sudden, that's a lot of Zachariah. His father's Hebrew name is Yehuda Yehuda. Same name twice. So his, he's called the Torah as Zev Zachariah ben Yehuda Yehuda. But his brother's name is Benjamin, or in Hebrew, Benjamin. Now, it's really Benjamin, but you could call his brother to the Torah as Ben Ben Yehuda Yehuda. And I just think that that's lovely stuff, that someone could be called to the Torah as Ben Ben Yehuda Yehuda. So here, God's middle name is Asher, but God's first name and last name is the same name. Larry, Diane, and then Rebecca, and then Joanna. Just because, only because the dog likes it too. Only because Joel, Joel said it first, and there was a comment by, um, I think, Orachaim, I'm not sure. It's, it's three, three times that it said Vayomer, but, but look, at how, look at the differences. Remember, there's no punctuation in the Torah, so you don't really see the punctuation. My son's dog is really excited about all this. Um, it starts off, Vayomer Elohim El Moshe. The next one is, Vayomer Tomar Tomar Lifnei Yisrael. And the next one is, Vayomer Od Elohim El Moshe Kotomar El Bnei Yisrael. I have no idea what the differences are. I'm sure someone has commented on all the differences, but they're all slight variations, one of another. But there's three of them in a row. And you wouldn't normally need 
any of uh, the, the second two at all. Right. Cool. That's really interesting. So in some ways, the presence of the ode on the third one in the, as the second word in the next verse makes an even greater argument for inserting some dialogue in between the two Vayomers and our verse. Because when, when the Torah, as if to say, when the Torah wants to say that God continued after the last thing that God says, then it's a Vayomer ode because God is still the subject. But in our verse, we had two Vayomers without an ode. And so it must not have been God continuing. It must be God responding. What did God respond to? Moshe's interpolation there. Yeah, the Libnei Israel and Elbnei Israel. I don't, I don't know if we should read that as a distinction without a difference. Um, Le and El are indeed pretty synonymous and interchangeable, and it's and it's hard to find the midrash there. But you're right; it's it it it, it it's different. Um, Joanna, oh, no, Rebecca was next. Did you bring your hand down? I I didn't want to comment on the Rashi, so I figured I'll wait. <laughs> Rashi on the next verse or this verse? No, what I meant is you were still talking about the Rashi, and my comment is not about the Rashi, so I figured I'd wait. No, go ahead. Okay, so what I what I what what's um, what's interesting to me is that in this in this uh, supposed name, uh, in all the commentaries, sort of except for Rashi, really is, or including Rashi, is that um, the response is not really about the various qualities of God. It's not that he's or she or is a, you know, almighty or what it, what the God is able to do in comparison to other gods, but it's specifically, I will be with you or I will be, and not so much focused on how great I am and as God. And so I thought that was interesting that that is what is emphasized here and not other you know, powers of God. So that's really nice, Rebecca, particularly because what the Israelites are going to experience of God in the Exodus moment, talk about on Seder night, is God's power and God's power over Pharaoh, God's power over the one who has power over them. But in the name, it, it, it's a, you're, you're reading it as a kind of a, a humble, not flexing of a muscle, but just, I, I, it, it, again, go back to Barry. It, it's it's an I am. It's a it's a being. It's a presence. It's it's a presence that's not it's not a not a plague doer. Even though that's going to be the mechanism of the. Um, if if we get to if we have time, we're going to look at Rabbi Sajigon on this, who does not comment often on on, on our verses, but says something interesting, in a completely different direction. Uh, Joanna, two things. Just another funny comment about repetitive Hebrew names. My last name is Sasson, and my father's Hebrew name is also Sasson, which will start to make some sense when um, I tell you that the last name originally, way back many generations, was Ben Sasson, and the Ben got dropped eventually. Um, and I can't tell you how many times, especially if I'm in like a visitor or not in at my minion, but attending another minyan, if I happen to be given the honor of an aliyah and I go up and I give my Hebrew name, and it's like a who's on first routine with the rabbi, not your last name, your Hebrew name. Um, and then um, with reference to this and the shortening of the name to Ayah, typically a shortening of a name is a familiarity. There are a lot of people in my world who call me Joe, and those are the people who are, you know, it's a, a it, it indicates a certain level of intimacy. And um 
I feel here again, like that push and pull, that tension between God is something that is not knowable and that we can't comprehend. But yet, if we're going to be in any sort of relationship with God, at some point, at some level, there needs to be a certain familiarity. There needs to be a certain way that we can, in fact, approach that relationship. Um, And I'm also laughing a little bit because I'm thinking about, like, Moshe. And, like, I have friends whose names are Moshe that I call either Moshe or Moish. But never, ever, ever do I refer to the biblical Moshe by a shortened name. It's just always Moshe. Right. Um, well, we should try. The next time you dive in the Amidah, I give everyone permission to try, uh, try it out, saying Baruch Atah and see how it feels. Right. Uh, it could be it could be subversive or very traditional to use one of the names of God in the Torah that was introduced as the name that the freed Israelites should know God as. Um, and it's going back to Larry's comment, how how focused we are on God's name and how uncomfortable we are with changing God's name, right? It was, you know, in, in renewal Jewish circles, all the time, they, they intone a bracha as brucha at havaya, right? And to a from Litvak traditional Jew, it's like, it's like sacrilege. You're making it feminine and God's name is yud heh but yud heh is an approximation anyway. So why not play? Why, 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 not, why not use a nickname for God? I, I've, I've led in, uh, in different Hamalot services a kirtan, an Eastern chant approach to, um, uh, to, to prayer and to spirituality, where we say the Shema about a hundred times and we insert different names of God, being as playful with the name of God as our tradition actually is. But for some reason, when it comes to prayer, it's fixed. And it's really liberating. To say Shema Yisrael Elohim Eloheinu, Shema Yisrael Tzur Eloheinu, Shema Yisrael Havaya Eloheinu, it's 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 it, it, you you experience the multitude of God's name that way, and it's interesting how fixed we are, and I can't help myself because you went into names to be called to the Torah. I'm sure I've told this story before, but not recently. That I grew up in a synagogue where there was a kid a couple of years younger than me whose name was Ben Slen, and his father's name was Len Slen. And at his bar mitzvah, my rabbi, who had a bit of a, um, a sense of humor, called him up to the Torah as, Ya, mod habachor habar mitzvah, ben slen, ben len slen, maftir chazak. And we thought that was one of the great aliyah calls of all time. Uh, Joel, I think you're next. Maybe Carol. Go, one of you, unmute. All right. Go ahead. That's what happens when I invite both of you to unmute. <laughs> Joel and then Carol. If you're going to go that way, you might as well continue on and say, hello, hey, Abe, hello, hey, Yitzi, hello, hey, uh, Jake. <laughs> but uh, my, but I was going to put this in the chat, but you've disabled the chat. Can you say I that? Have? Yeah, I don't know. Um, you can say that this verse was written in iambic pentameter. Oh, very good. I usually limit it to one joke a day, but I. No, that's good. That's, that's a good one. Uh, it's, it's the ambic tetrameter of many Hebrew piece of liturgy that allows you to sing every song to, to as many tunes as possible because Adon Alam and Lachadudi and all of them are all in the iambic tetra. So this is the iambic tetragrammaton, perhaps. Okay, Carol, I don't know why I not intend to disable chat, so I have to look at my setting. Okay, go um, ahead. This is building a little bit on what Rick said about the future of, of uh, Boshen not actually having this conversation. What occurs to me is that um, uh, Moshe maybe was curious about what God's name was, but didn't have a chance to ask. 
because God's been talking for quite a few psukim with lots of information. Um, and it reminds me whether it's it's that you know you run into somebody who knows your name and starts talking to you, and you're trying to think, oh God, who is this person? And and you're embarrassed to ask them their name again, and so. You know, so this is kind of like, let me ask for my, the children of Israel might ask you about your name. You know, so I, I, it's just interesting that that he never says, what's your name? I mean, he didn't feel comfortable with that. Um, and just a little quick, quick side commentary. My claim to take to fame at Pressman Academy was at at our very first parent, back to school night uh, in kindergarten in 2001. I asked the question of the teachers, were they going to be teaching the kids? Um, how are they going to be referring to God? Were they going to be yeah, in prayer? Were they going to be using you know, male, female? I, just, I was curious. And I forget what the answer is, but it started this, this war, feud of parents in the room who didn't want God referred to as female and someone brings up the Shekhinah. And I mean, they eventually had to call in the head of school to stop the conversation because they just wanted to talk about where the kids are going to put their lunch and their jackets. And, and Maura Sharon was the teacher. And after that, they always knew never call on Carol if she's got her hand raised because she'll ask some big, you know, big. And then I, I became known as the person, you know, the bra burning feminist was asking about it was all because I just wanted to know if they were going to learn to refer to God in different ways. <laughs> That's great. That's a great story. Well, I will always call on you when you raise your hand because I love that stuff. Um, Leonard, Rebecca, Diane, Barry, and then we'll leave, read Sadia if we have a chance, and then we'll call it a day. Oh, before you speak, in case someone has to leave early, next week, Erev, 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 Pesach, I will not be, I'll not be teaching. I'll be love, happy to teach um, Cholomoed if people are around, but I can't teach a week from today. So since Leonard, Rebecca, you're the ones unmuted, are you able to teach a Shior a week from today, Leonard? Sure. Okay, so uh, we'll make sure that there's same link, same uh, same uh, uh, entryway, but I'll next uh, be with you on Cholamoid Pass. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so I'm saying this as somebody whose middle name is Asher. Uh, Maybe I'm, you're God. <laughs> <laughs> I always knew there was something about you, Leonard. Uh, well, this isn't a very uh, deep comment over here, but I, I'm just uh, looking at our book, and uh, we have Ibn Ezra, and we have two Ibn Ezra's, a short one and a long one. Right. And I'm noticing that the long one is two lines long, and yeah. the short one is three whole columns. <laughs> if it makes you feel any better, if you flip the page, the, the long Ibn Ezra comes back with a vengeance and has three pages of commentary. Um, <laughs> we once explored that a bit as to why the short Ibn Ezra is called the short Ibn Ezra and the long Ibn Ezra is called the long Ibn Ezra. And I don't, I don't want to go back into it, but yes, he, 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 he had a split personality. He was, he was a yeah, and he was then a yeah again, short and long. Uh, Diane, Larry, and then Barry. Um, I assume that you have access to Alter, um, but because it's worth reading the entire altar, which is right up your alley, talks about grammar and conjugation. I only want to read one really, really short portion of it. Please. Um, and if anybody wants to see it, I'd be happy to photocopy this and then send it to them. It, it, so I'm, I'm really skipping a lot of stuff. All right. So he says, the Greek transcriptions reflect pronunciation closer to, close your ears if you don't want to hear what altar is written, Yahweh. In that form, the name would be the causative or the hephil form of the verb to be, and would thus have the theological, theologically attractive sense of he who brings things into being. 
That's a so, great name. That's my name. My name he's is. Reading, he's reading a yeah as the he feels. Yes. It's just, it, it, I mean, it's it, the reason why it's interesting. I love the meaning of the comment, but grammatically makes no sense because it would be. I don't even know how you would say it. it ah, no, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, it's not the A.S. He's, he's gone. That's why I say you have to read the whole thing, and I don't want to take the time. He's gone to different transcriptions and the name and the yud hey vav hey name and how it's transcripted, and he's saying that the Greek transcription is close, the pronunciation of, again, close your ears if you don't want to hear it, Yahweh would be closer to the Hefil. Now, I don't know enough to know how close that would be and everything else behind it, but he's trying to get to the point, or he's he's bringing uh, a view that God is saying, maybe saying, "My name is He who brings the things into being. Yeah, I am the Creator." Great, fascinating, Barry. You get to close us up. So, um, a bit preface: uh, uh, one of the Tuesday morning classes I attended with uh, Rabbi Habibi uh, a couple of years ago um, focused on. Uh, meditating on the first lines of the Amidah before going into it. And, and I, I do this as a practice, and I'm seeing the repetition here with the, 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 the Vayomers here. Each Vayomer is stepping down. So there's there's the uh, the, the the first to Moshe. This is the, the incomprehensible. Uh, the, the 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 becoming will becoming the becoming, and and but then the next one is I'll just just say uh, This is still the yudhe uh, Still is the, the the being aspect which uh, Larry just focused on, and the, the, the next one is the tomar. We're stepping it down now, and and now uh, it's uh, Elohim. So and and same in in the in the Amidah we have. Um, uh, the, the, the first reference is to Yudhe which is all of what we just said, and that's the the, the, the pre-existent being, and 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 then becomes uh, Eloheinu. So now we've stepped it down to the the the, the reality of the world, the the, the, the universe, the, the the universe, everything, times, being, space, everything. That that's that's out there, and then there's Eloheinu. So now we've stepped it down. That's the, the, the next one here. It becomes then the, the, the Elohei Abraham, Elohei Yitzhak, Elohei Yaakov. And now we're into our place. And this is our place now. So what, all of that is what God's name is. But, 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 but the last, last being here, the last being of Elohei of, is Elohei Yaakov. This is us. So it goes from a kind of an amorphous general idea, whereas by the time we get to the end of verse 15, it's the God of the one who's in specific relationship with it. Um, yeah, and to go back to what Rick said in terms of reading ahead and with this, we'll close. So not only is it the case later on that Moshe doesn't use this name to introduce God to the Israelites, but already in the next verse, in verse 15, which we'll get to next week, when God says, Vayomer Od, when God continues to speak, God has already in the Midrash changed God's name from Ayeh, Asher Ayeh, to Ayeh. But actually in this verse, he seems to change his God's name again and say, no, it's, uh, it, it's the name you would actually expect. It's the God of your ancestors. Who's taking you out of Egypt? The only God that you know. So there's, there's double transformation of God, perhaps, 
in this uh, encounter. And Barry's having us think of it not just as a transformation, but a, a move from like an, an inscrutable God of being to the God you know, the God who was in relationship with your, with your ancestors that you held onto all in Egypt. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.